twice a year, we have a fall and a spring showcase where we have our specialty clubs kind of present to the parents. Yeah. And some of my proudest moments at Boys and Girls Club is watching those parents, you know, see their kids, whether it's the drama club putting on a musical or uh, some of the art clubs. We had an animation club that was really, really, really cool and impressive. And you see how proud these parents are of their kids. And then you're like, hey, I was kind of a little part of it. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Same Business, Different Day podcast. I'm your host, Zeke Corley, here at the Film Hub in Vista, California, on this beautiful fall day. Today, we have a special guest guaranteed to inspire our audience of the possibilities in entrepreneurship. Not only is he the proud owner of his own business, but he also works for a major nonprofit organization at the same time. His story is a testament to the fact that there are many paths to success with determination and preparation, anything is possible. But as always, we'll start from the beginning. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Justin Boozer to the Same Business Different Day Podcast. There's an applause there for you, I promise. Oh, is there an applause? Is there... Damn, what an Now, intro. the applause wasn't for me pronouncing your name right, probably. How should I, how do I pronounce it right? Bahajer. Bahajer. But, I mean, it was a good, it was a good effort. I'm going to give it a shot again in the middle of the show. We'll see, what, we'll see how I do. That's fair. You did just tell me five minutes ago, so it's not, I, I probably will get it wrong again. Yeah, I mean, everybody does. It's, you're not, <laughs> you're not the only one. I'm trying to be the man. Um, it's it's really good to have you, man. Hey, I appreciate you inviting me and allowing me to to share. Yeah, yeah, we've crossed paths. You know, folks are, are used to me wearing a hat on various episodes, and they've never seen me wear a hat like this. But maybe it'll all tie in later, so we'll we'll have that conversation. It's, it's a good look on you. I appreciate it. I appreciate. It. I thought you were gonna, you know, do the same thing with me or so, but we should we should have talked. Yeah, about this. yeah, I would appreciate it. A heads up. <laughs> Um, you know, with this show, we try to inspire, um, you know, potential entrepreneurs, even folks that are currently in business to kind of get a good understanding of where other successful people, you know, the, the path that they took, right? Everybody's path could never be the same. Sure. But we might cross some paths at some point and you could be inspirational to them. And so that's why I'm glad to have you here and kind of let you tell your story. Well, I'll try my best. I appreciate it. So where, where did you grow up? I grew up in Northern California originally, uh, between Sacramento area and uh, the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have family in both those places still. I visit frequently. Awesome. Um, yeah, I was born in San Mateo, moved mm -hmm. to Sacramento at a young age, grew up in Sacramento. Um, great place to grow up in the suburbs out there. It's definitely a family atmosphere yeah. in Sacramento. That's um where my godparents and godbrothers um, are from. Mm -hmm. And so we've spent a lot of time up there visiting them. I'm from San Jose, so not far from you, but um, yeah, it's Sacramento's not the Bay. Though. It's not the Bay, there's not a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. that's probably why it was a good place to grow up. It was, yeah. you know, hard to get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So you have siblings? And yeah, I have a little brother, Brandon. Mm -hmm. He uh, also lives down here in San Diego. Shout out, Brandon. Yeah, shout out, Brandon. <laughs> um, and then I have two older stepsisters and then a even younger half-brother. So very mixed family. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not, not, the, not, the traditional, uh, not the traditional family at all. Now, okay, so you're not the oldest. Were you the oldest in your household growing up? Yes. Okay, and then, like, did you feel, like, any need to be the leader of the household? Absolutely. Time? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I felt... Uh, uh, a pretty big responsibility early mm -hmm. on, mm -hmm. uh, not just to, you know, look after my brother. My my dad worked a lot. Okay, he was uh, he's a glazer, which he he it fixes and installs windows. Yeah, and he would work. Um, he would be living in Sacramento, and he'd be working in San, down South San Francisco on the skyscrapers and stuff there. Oh, buddy. so he would, you know, we would wake up at three in the morning, have mm -hmm. to, you know, go to. Uh, 
either a babysitter's house or uh, our grandmother's house. And then I would be in charge of, you know, getting my brother ready and getting him to school. Wow. And then after school, I was, we were always in sports. And so we would yeah. just go straight from school to sports. And then we'd be sitting around waiting for my dad. And mm. then. Because he's got traffic. That commute. Yeah, yeah. The traffic on the I-80. Yeah. You know, to, to, to come back and pick us up. So it was a lot of times I was just responsible for, for the, you know, well-being of myself and my brother. So. Yeah. Did you, um, I mean, did you consider being a glazer? Did you have ideas of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Yeah. So it's, I think my story is a little ironic when we get to the end, you'll see why. But mm -hmm. when I, my very first real job, right. And I had jobs where I was under the table. I was too young, you know, at restaurants, washing dishes, mm -hmm. bussing tables and mm -hmm. stuff. But my first real Bill's job. character. Yeah, exactly. I think everybody should do that you know at some point in their life just to get a little perspective but mm -hmm. not necessarily under the table though there's exactly. taxes and yes. stuff yeah yeah no no, no <laughs> the under the table <laughs> part no as a business owner that's very bad <laughs> but uh no it, it my very first job was with uh, a school district and i was uh, running an after school program really yeah so i ran an after school program at an elementary school and i did that for about three years while I was finishing up high school, and then I went to college originally uh, for a degree in early childhood education. Okay. So I wanted to be a teacher. Okay. Once I got enough uh, credits to become a, a head preschool teacher, I applied. I got the position at a private preschool out in uh, Folsom. And you had that resume. You know, you yeah. already run this program yes. before you even. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, you know, it was good with kids. And, yeah. you know, I was able to run a program with. Even take care of your brother. Now yeah. that I think about it. So, I mean, your resume is strong for early childhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. For for that point in my life being 16 years old. Yeah. I you think, were only 16. Yeah. When I got that, when I got that position, I was 16. I okay. worked there until I was uh, 20. So, yeah. And Hello. what school did you go to for the early childhood education? Well, at that time, I was in between Sac State and American River College, which is a community college there. Yeah, um, I'm familiar. I played soccer in high school, and so I had some some opportunities to play a little bit. But I, uh, the summer going into my freshman year, I got hurt. Okay. You know, it's like the classic, I would have been something yeah, you know, if I yeah, didn't get yeah, hurt. Yeah, you know? yeah. Nah, I wasn't that good, but I got hurt. <laughs> And then I was like, well, I don't want to pay all this money if I'm not playing because that's why I really wanted to go to college. And I was you know, young and mm -hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to do at that point. So I supplemented at the at the community college, which highly recommend to any young person that's trying to figure out you know, what they want to do in life. Community college is a perfect place to start. One hundred percent. But once. Yeah. So I got the uh, early childhood education units was a preschool teacher, I had preschool teacher, I had 24 four-year-olds. Okay. For one whole school year. Mm -hmm. Absolutely hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I realized very, very fast that maybe teaching is not for me. That's, uh, that's funny because uh, I was over locally here, OG's is a, a pizza mm -hmm. spot, and uh, there was this lady at the bar um, we were just talking about what we do for a living or whatever. And she said exactly what you just said, but she did, but she loves her job. But she said, I have 24 four-year-olds. <laughs> That's, that is, she's like, and I have to get ready for tomorrow morning. I got 24 four-year-olds. Yeah. No, and, and mad respect to the people that sure. are able to not only, you know, do that at a high level every day, but like, love it. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, I, I, you know, I wish that I could have fallen <laughs> under that label, but I learned very fast that I just did not have the patience required yeah. to make it in that field. Right, right. And being, it was, this was just before my 21st birthday, as this was all happening. And so I said, what's the exact opposite of teaching? <laughs> and that's when I joined the Army. Wow. So. Okay. Now, we've had guests on here that have gone into the military, um, and obviously so many of them have different stories. And I'm sure mm -hmm. in the Army, you've heard a lot of stories about why different folks joined. Some of them, it comes with family legacy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's the question of which branch. You know, So did you have family members that had been in the Army, or what? what how did you get there? No, actually. So uh, I was telling you before we started recording, my dad is actually an immigrant. He mm -hmm. came over here um, early in his life 
Um, and so we had no college graduates in our family. We had no military. We had we had basically laborers mm-hmm. is, is kind of my lineage. And so we uh, my my family was actually kind of disappointed and upset when they when they heard the news that I had joined because they were very anti, you know, like we don't want you to go off and, you know, maybe never come back type of thing. They were okay. very like, you know, they were worried, very worried. Mm-hmm. It but, wasn't necessarily unpatriotic. They were just worried no, about you. Absolutely not. No, mm-hmm. they were just more worried about me and, you know, have you exhausted every other option? Yeah, it seems yeah. kind of drastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah Do one, you hate the kids <laughs> that much? <laughs> absolutely not. It, it, for the record, it wasn't the kids. Yeah. It oh, was okay. it, 100% the, the parents. <laughs> They at a private preschool. They those those parents are very very demanding, and um, it, for you know how young I was, I I just didn't have the tools necessary to deal with that and process that. That's so. great of you to admit too. You just uh, were at your age. You didn't have the tools to process what was what all was going on. Absolutely. And this comes full circle too, which mm-hmm. is, makes it even more yeah. of a great story. I know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so once I you know sat down with my my family and told them, you know, everything that was, was happening. You know, mm-hmm. I was very thorough with my research and in, in the whole military process. I went and visited every branch, you know. And oh, I, you did? Yeah. I went, you know, listened to what they had to say. Okay. Met with all the recruiters and, you know, they, I think anybody in the military will, will tell you that, you know, the recruiters will, will recruit. They'll say things that <laughs> aren't necessarily going to pan out. But hey, sales is sales. <laughs> exactly. Sales is sales. And I said, you know what? I'll just take the the ASVAB, you know, the mm-hmm. entry exam. I'll mm-hmm. take it, see what I get, see what happens. Mm-hmm. So I historically, I was an okay student. Okay. I was never a great test taker in okay. general. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I went into it open-minded, didn't really study. Mm-hmm. There was definitely a few questions I guessed on. Okay. Uh, but I ended up getting a 99, which is wow. like a, almost perfect, if not perfect. I'm not even sure. And so they essentially gave me well, a binder. Well, if it's out of 100, it's almost perfect. Well, it could be out of 90. I don't know. <laughs> so then they said, here are your options? Yeah, they said, here are your options. Uh, you could choose any one of these. You're qualified to pick any one. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is intense. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to spend a weekend <laughs> thinking mm-hmm. about what I'm going to do for the next six years of my life. Right. You know, you sound real independent, though. Like I, I, you were yeah. making these decisions. It didn't yes. sound like anybody was, I mean, obviously your family wanted to influence you a little bit, but it sounds like, you know, you were about to make a decision on what you're going to do with the rest of your life and you weren't asking for advice. No, absolutely <clears throat> not. You know, I grew up again in a, in a household where on my 18th birthday, my dad said, okay, now you're going to move out or pay rent. Mm, okay. And okay. the rent he was going to charge me was more expensive than going to get a place <laughs> with my friends. So okay. at eighteen, I moved out, and so it was. Okay. I, I, I lived a very independent uh, childhood up into early adulthood. There are definitely, people who can find parallels with what you just said there. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Hello, friends. I'm Joe Samo. I'm an attorney in San Diego, and I'm the host of Run It By My Lawyer. It's a great podcast where you will learn a lot about the law, and it is very entertaining if I say so myself. And uh, you can get it for free anywhere you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on Instagram at Run It By My Lawyer. This podcast is brought to you by YourInsurancePlace.com. Owning a business is hard work. You put your blood, sweat, and tears into it every single day. You need a partner who understands the ins and outs of insuring small to medium-sized businesses. For over 40 years, our California Property and Casualty Insurance Agency has insured businesses just like yours. We've seen it all, and we've learned a thing or two about what it takes to keep your business protected. That's why we offer free policy assessments. We'll take a look at your policy and let you know if there are any gaps in your coverage. Let us help you to protect what you've worked so hard to build. Yourinsuranceplace.com. So, okay, so then how do you you make the decision? So I looked at all of the different positions that they had available, and one that jumped out to me was cryptologic linguist. And so I looked at that, and what really intrigued me about it is that the, the AIT, the school to where you learn the, the job was in Monterey, which mm-hmm. is beautiful. 
It's Hell close yeah. to home. Yeah. And I was going to be there for two years, <clears throat> which is a long time to be at a military school. Okay. And so I picked that one. Mm-hmm. I uh, went off to basic training in Fort Jackson, South Carolina during the summer. Mm. Don't recommend that. Humid. Yeah, very humid. And then got to Monterey, was there for two years, and I graduated from the Russian program. So I learned how to read, write, and speak Russian. Yeah. And uh, then finished up tech school. The signals <clears throat> intelligence is what, they're, what, what they call it. And then I got my duty assigned to uh, Germany. Okay. What year was this around? Uh, I joined in 2010. In 2010. Went to Germany in 2012. I mean, I guess, I mean, I'm thinking I'm thinking about the Russian piece of it and mm-hmm. uh, the reason why I asked you that. And then I guess at the end of the day, there's never a bad time for us to have intelligence and be able to communicate in Russian. <laughs> you know, I thought that it was job security for sure <laughs> um and they the, the military does invest a lot of money into these sort of things and so sure. you know whether we like that or not yeah but i get it uh so and i thought learning a language is a very you know valuable skill anyway so oh, if nice. i only wanted to you know do one contract term and get out then i have that on my resume and graduating from the defense language institute it's a very prestigious military academy uh, so Wonderful. having a degree from that is how daunting was uh oh it was the language like learning another language Zeke, it was the most difficult academic thing i've ever done in my life wow e- hands down there wow. was there was points during that course where i thought i'm like there's no way there's no way i'm gonna i'm gonna get out of your life i'm gonna <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna kick me out i think uh, in the first like two months i had like a 1.7 gpa it was difficult and it's full immersion so once you get down to the schoolhouse there's no english Mm. we had six different professors all um, either russian or eastern european natives that were native russian speakers Mm. and so they were you know if you can think of like russian professors they're very strict they're very like you know you're gonna do this our way okay and uh, yeah every single day for two years yeah eight hours a day just nothing but russian and one day it just clicked mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, I kind of get this now, <laughs> which I've never had an experience like. How, it. Did you know it, how do you know it clicked? You said one day. What happened that day? Well, I was in uh, the barracks in our in dorms mm-hmm. and I was with my uh, roommate, Quinn, who's still one of my good friends. He graduated the Russian program, too. And he. I was doing my homework and I was getting so frustrated. And I was like, you know what? We need to take a break. Mm-hmm. So we went out and we had a couple drinks, came back, revisited it. I just was like, oh, this is this makes so much more sense. Ah. And so, so the I, answer is Russian vodka. You know, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> didn't want to say it, but it's uh yeah, no, it definitely helped, and I understood. I understood it. I was like, "This is wow, one hundred percent gettable now." And yeah, finished That's with awesome. a three point two GPA, and you know, I saved it. <laughs> it's interesting. We I was uh, in a past episode. We talked. Um, I think it was the conversation that we had with Moses Say from Iraqi Allure, and uh, we were talking about other languages. I think it was with him, but um, I knew I could speak fluent Spanish when I started dreaming in Spanish. I can, yeah, I have a couple, I have a couple of stories about dreaming in Russian as well, but mm-hmm. yeah, they were more military related, but I can totally yeah. understand where you're coming yeah, from there. That, that yeah, that was when it clicked for me. I was just like, wait, what? You know, it was like the, the whole thing, it was, it was just mind blowing. I woke up like, oh shit, like yeah. my brain knows this stuff. Right. You know, now let's get it out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I appreciate that story, man. That's that's really awesome. Your story about the military. I know there's a, a lot. I mean, you took it to another level, right? You got into some high security clearances yes. and all kind of really cool things. I mean, uh, did you feel at at risk or danger at any point? Sometimes, or, yeah. yeah, yeah. We were, you know, we had some missions that were definitely um, dangerous. There were some. You know, there, so our primary mission at that point was combating human trafficking. Okay. In Eastern European countries specifically, like the former Soviet Union countries. Mm -hmm. So that was 
Um, it was very, very interesting. Some stuff uh, obviously very, very sad, and it's still very prevalent today. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know, we I also got to do a lot of really, really cool stuff. Um, some like diplomatic stuff, going to embassies, you know, serving as an attaché in certain areas, yeah. you know, meeting ambassadors and and, and training uh, other nations, militaries, NATO members, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, so what did you serve? Three years. I served six. Six. Okay. And then what was your exit? Um, what did you do at that point? Like, How did you know you were done? And, and then what did you do? Yeah. So I think most people in the military will tell you that in the military is not for everyone. Sure. Um, I kind of had it run its course. You know, at any given time, you have seven or eight bosses kind of mm-hmm. yelling at you. Uh-huh. At, all, at all the time, and that's just par for the course in the military. Like it doesn't even matter how high of a rank you get; there's always going to be somebody <laughs> yelling at you. Yeah, <laughs> and so that that kind of lifestyle and you know the day to day of that was took its toll. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, as like a natural entrepreneur, you know, I there was lots of there's lots of things that I wanted to accomplish that weren't possible while I was still serving, mm-hmm. and. Um, I also used, you know, the military as a means to the end to, you know, use the GI Bill to go back to school and finish my degree. And, also, and, one of and, the stories we hear a lot, yeah, business management. And give me the, give me back to real quick um, this uh, because I mean you don't see it necessarily in in your early story, but how where, where are you, where did you become a natural entrepreneur? Sure, yeah, it's actually a, a funny story. So. Me and my friends were always very entrepreneurial in our in our groups. Like we would instead of like on a Friday night for fun, instead of you know high school kids like going out or playing video games, we would be writing business plans. Beautiful. We would be trying to do what we can to start any kind of business we possibly could. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we turned twenty one, this is after I'd already joined. We started a uh, a beer pong company. Mm-hmm. So we hosted beer pong at uh, various local bars in Sacramento, the greater Sacramento area, seven nights a week. And we managed tournaments. So we were hosting tournaments at all these bars. The bars would pay us. We would collect an entry you fee. You were making money on we this. Were, we were making money at it. Towards the end of it, we, you know, we were you know, in multiple areas, multiple bars the mm-hmm. same night. So we had to hire some people to go and run it. And it kind of evolved. And, and that was... Back in that time, that was when it was very popular. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, w- it was very low cost marketing because you know the bars would market for us. Yeah, you know, and yeah. so we would just kind of go out and have fun and, and and run those those beer pong tournaments. And it's got to be a our, blast. It was it was, there was some, a lot of late nights. You know, yeah. you, you get home from work at like three a.m. and you're yeah. tired. Oh, but oh, look but who's calling it work. Yeah. I, well, after a while, you know, you they, they say you know anything becomes work, even if you're doing what you love, you, it becomes work. Um, so That's yeah, a good quote. I like it. That was uh, the beginning. Was where I caught the caught the bug of okay. being a you know an actual legal business and, yeah. and, and operating one. And we learned a lot, you know, in that span of a couple of years. Um, when I was in the military and I was stationed in Germany, that's when I, I had always been. Up until then, I was more of a a wine guy. Okay. Got to Germany. It's obviously the land of beer. Yeah. Right. So that's when I got very, very interested in beer. Okay. And um, I was actually at a pub that was on the corner that had been there for over a thousand years. You know, this this old brewery, mm-hmm. and was talking to the brewer there, and was just asking him all these questions about the beer, and he actually gave me um, a starter yeast. From his family's brewery, that yeast they've been using generations of the same yeast, and gave me some old homebrew equipment. Okay. And so I went in my kitchen and I tried to brew a batch of beer, and it sucked, absolutely <laughs> ruined it. And then went back, and he was like, "Okay, well, he's like, we'll do it together, so okay. you can see what what you did wrong." And okay. then we did it. Beer was good. Went home, did it. Beer was good. 
so excited. Yeah. I was like, this is drinkable. It probably wasn't even good. It was yeah, just drinkable. It was drinkable. Yeah, yeah. And then, so I kept doing that while I was in the military, just home brewing and home brewing. And then I said, you know what? When I get out, I'm going to open a brewery. Mm-hmm. And so okay. I got out, moved back home to Sacramento. There was a brewery that was actually just getting started um, out in Rockland called Dragash Brewing. And I went in there and said, hey, you guys just started. Can I help? Okay. Because I wanted to get some real experience in a brew house mm-hmm. before I went and started doing my own thing. Yeah. So this was a week after I, I'm fresh off the plane. Like, got out, still had military clothes. Like, it was still, like, still smell yeah, like Germany. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so I walk in and, and they're like, well, we can't really pay you. We just we just opened and and I, and I was like that's fine because I was on the GI Bill and the GI Bill you know, they pay you to go to school yeah. so I was like okay that's fine I won't take any pay mm-hmm. I just I'll be an intern or something yeah so I did that for like three months okay did that and then they said hey you know what we you know really like what you're doing here we like your attitude we like everything that you're bringing to the table <clears throat> bring you on full time as our product manager. Mm. And then they will. Uh, then they were going to give me equity, mm. like sweat equity mm-hmm. um, that I build up over time, mm-hmm. and agreed to that. So, you know, built that up over a couple of years, and I was pretty much running day to day operations and as owner operator, and I was given tours, and I was, <laughs> I really loved that job. That was a very fun. That job. is awesome, man. That's awesome. I love the initiative, right, that you took. You you just walked in there and said, don't pay me. I just yeah. want to learn. I want to be in here and figure this thing out with you guys. And I'm sure they needed you right then at that time. Yeah, looking back on it, they <clears throat> yeah, they were facing some challenges that I don't think- Most uh, of the businesses are yeah. when we start. Yeah. yeah, they didn't see a lot of these things coming. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was good to be able to just dive right in and just get in the weeds and, you know, come up with solutions to problems that, you know, that's pretty much being an entrepreneur is, is finding answers. That's it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay. So GI Bill, now uh, you go to school as well. When do you go to school? Yeah. So that was in 2017. I sold my equity, sold my stake and moved down to San Diego, Mm -hmm. um, enrolled in Cal State San Marcos. I really, I had choose between San Diego State and Cal State San Marcos. I ended up going with Cal State San Marcos because of the business school. At the time, uh, Jim Hammerly was the dean of uh, the College Business Administration. I was, was a big fan of his. Um, it was, you know, low teacher to student ratio. And I was really, uh, really looking for that, you know, more personal one-on-one education. Yeah. And yeah. I was, I just loved the faculty. So, mm-hmm. so did that. Um, first week I was there, I learned about all the student orgs, and then I threw my hat in the ring to be president of the Entrepreneurship Society. So became president of the Entrepreneurship Society, which was an amazing experience. I mean, the entire tenure at Cal State San Marcos was fantastic. And then you taught them all beer pong. Yeah, no. No, at that point, I was a little bit older. I was more closer in age to the to the teachers, than, to the professors, than the <laughs> students. So I was... Uh, and my college experience ended up being a little different. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I bet. But you know what? That's probably a good thing. You know, for a lot of us, um, going to college a little later in your life, actually, you can stay more focused and actually get some things done. Absolutely. I was sitting in the front row, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. was... No shame. Absolutely. No, I, I was I was the guy. I'm here always, to learn. I was. I always have raised my hand. I was that guy. I was like, and I, I apologized all the time. I'm like, I know you guys want to get out of here. I'm holding up the class. I'm sorry, but that's yeah. That's just how it was. Do it. I love it. Self awareness, but mm-hmm. nah, that's great, man. Okay, so um, and then you were studying. What were you studying again in school? Uh, business business management, management and focus right. of entrepreneurship. Okay, and then. Um, I guess, and then you graduated magna cum laude, right? Yep. Congratulations on Thanks. that, man. Yeah, and, was... and congratulations on this whole journey because this story is amazing, man. I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah. And there's so much more to talk about, too. It's, yeah, do we need to take a break? No, 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 no. 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 Okay, no, okay. No, no. okay. Go ahead, man. <laughs> I mean, there, there's so much more to talk about, it, and we're going to get into it right now. Okay. So let's get into the reveal. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce you to this phenomenal entrepreneur and community leader. Justin is the impressive owner of the Brewer's Tap Room in the beach town of Encinitas, California. His location boasts 24 rotating taps featuring independent craft beers, a true haven for beer lovers. But Justin's impact doesn't stop there. In addition to being a successful business owner, Justin also serves as the business development manager for the Boys and Girls Club of San Marcos. With a staggering budget of $5 million each year, Justin works tirelessly to create a positive impact in our community and provide support and opportunities for our children. In fact, we are honored to have Justin here with us today, just days before the Boys and Girls Club's annual auction, a highly anticipated event with a goal of raising over $200,000 for the club and its programs. With Justin's leadership and dedication and the committee's teamwork, we are certain this goal will be surpassed. Again, welcome, Justin. Wow, what a reveal. That's great. <laughs> hey, man, this is your life. <laughs> you know, um, we're going to go ahead and say it now so because people are probably real confused about why I'm wearing this hat. Yeah, but we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the the uh, boys and girls club. But I want to let you guys know that auction is uh, is awesome. October fourteenth, it's coming up. October fest was what I was thinking when you were talking about Germany and beer. Yep. So now there's all kinds of things happening at the same time. But it is a Western themed auction, mm -hmm. and that's why I'm wearing this hat. Now let's get back to the um, the Brewers Tap Room, though. Okay. Um, so this is something. Was was this something that you bought into? Was it a brainchild? How did you? How did this come all about? So yeah. So when I moved down here, I, you know, this is kind of San Diego is the the mecca of craft beer as as the right. industry is you know refers to it as it's it's you know, there's way too many breweries. So coming down here, mm -hmm. I knew that opening another brewery was kind of out of the question. Mm -hmm. It's oversaturated and there's already people down here making very very good beer mm -hmm. some of the best beer in the world in my opinion and so why try to compete when you can you know help further the the agenda of the san diego craft beer you know movement yeah. so we yeah i uh moved down here got into contact with uh, a friend and mentor of mine uh, chris duncan who is the um other owner of the Brewers Tap Room, my partner, mm -hmm. he was getting ready to start this project and I found him and was like, hey, I can help, mm -hmm. you know, doing that. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't need a lot of money. I don't need, you know, but I will work my butt off mm -hmm. and get this place to, you know, where it should be. Mm -hmm. you know? And with the business model that he originally came up with, I fell in love with the rotating tap list. So every single time a keg kicks, we got something new on like, yeah. that's fantastic. You go to the, you go to any other bar and it's the same beers all the time. Right. And in a, you know, County where there's, you know, 200 world-class breweries. Why not give everybody a shot? Yeah. And, and I think that the industry was moving towards that direction anyway of everybody collaborating and everybody you know you know we you help us we help you type of community that i really loved the san yeah. diego beer community was instrumental in uh welcoming me to this region it mm -hmm. was you know a lot of those things that are well established industries can be very intimidating to sure. start in or come in from an outsider and it was the opposite it was welcoming lots of love from everybody involved and everybody just wants you to succeed, yeah. which is great. So there seems like a lot of synergy though within yes. the, the brewery industry. Yes. Um, and there needs to be, to be yeah. quite honest, for this many uh players in the game in to the survive. Area, yeah. Right. So uh got that going. I ran day-to-day -day operations, uh, again, took relative big cut and pay and return for equity. Mm -hmm. So as the general manager of the place, I was in charge of all day-to-day -day operations, um, you know, counting, all that stuff. See, that's nothing to sneeze at. I, I know what you're saying, but, you know, that needs to be made clear. You're talking 
You're talking day-to-day operations, which means like employees, it means relationships, Mm -hmm. it means, you know, inventory and all of that stuff, right? I think the relationships is a big piece of it because you got to have a smile on your face. You're trying to get customers in the door, right? And then at the same, in the same sentence, you said accounting. And usually those aren't the same person. No, yeah. In, in a small business, it often is, but it's but that ain't easy. very different, uh, very different tasks <laughs> for yeah, sure. Yeah. Hi, I'm Rachel Belt, host of Velocity, the Vista Chamber podcast. Join me as I sit down with Vista's movers, shakers, and changemakers. Let's move Vista forward with Velocity. The Film Hub is the future of co-working in downtown Vista. Get energized in an inspiring work environment that is built for your success. With multiple membership options for workspace and private offices, you can become a part of our co-working community. The Film Hub makes it easier to produce the professional content your business needs. From video production, live streams, photo shoots, or in-person events, you can create all this and more in our audio and video facilities. Love your work and where you accomplish it, the Film Hub. Yeah. So you got a special set of skills. Well, it's just, you know, jack of all trades, master of none is the, I can get by. Be humble all your life. I can get by. But yeah, no, but you touched on the relationships and that was my favorite part of the job by far. And that's what kept me there so long is mm-hmm. the day-to-day uh, manager is all of the sales reps from all the breweries and, you know, over the county, they wanted to get their beer into my bar because my bar had a reputation for serving only the best craft beer in the area. Yeah. And I was, you know, very honest and level. I'm Cicerone, certified Cicerone. So I would, you know, sales reps would have to do tastings with me by appointment only, only on certain days. So it was difficult to get in. Mm. But once you were in and we had that relationship, it was it was great. And then we, you know, obviously got access to very exclusive uh, special release beers that not a lot of places had. Oftentimes we're the only place in North County that gets certain stuff from down south. Awesome. So uh and you know we advertise that on our social media as well. It's just you know, it's that part of it was what made it all worth it. To That's me. awesome, man. Congratulations to you, man. Cheers. Thanks. Yeah, 100%, man. Really happy for your success. Now, there's more, there's more to this, though, right? Because now you've got this opportunity. You're running your own business. Like, you're, you're doing this thing inside and out. And then you turn around and also... Um, work with the Boys and Girls Club? How does, how does you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, like as if you didn't have enough to do or um, enough to focus on at least, um, how, do you, how do you juggle, you know, these kind of things? Sure, so uh, the pandemic happened and mm-hmm. just like any business in, you know, the hospitality, uh, you know, business, mm-hmm. we struggled and when we were coming out of it and we were welcoming guests back in, there was an, a very noticeable change in like the energy with everybody. Okay. Like, uh, so for me, it stopped when I was behind the bar, it stopped being so warm and welcoming. Oh, and really? it was more of just like, uh, you know, people are getting out of the house because they've been cooped up and, you know, everybody with the masks on still. And it was just like, it was, there was very impersonal. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I was like, you know, maybe it's time to, you know, take a step back. We have very, very good, competent staff that can run the place that can, you know, we can, you know, promote to manager, oversee it. I can step back and kind of look at what I want, you know, what my next chapter is, because I had felt at that point that, I mean, just surviving the pandemic and getting out of it on the other side, like being good, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I think this is a good transition point mm-hmm. for me. And at that point, just so happened that the business development manager mm-hmm. position was created by uh, Kathy Bauer, our president and CEO. Um, she had just started there and she had kind of reworked how um, the organization was structured and that this position she had created. So I had gotten... Um, 
word of it through one of my mentors, uh, Emily Hirsch, who I met through Cal State San Marcos. And she had sent it over to me and she was like, hey, I think, you, you know, this, this looks good. I know you were saying you were looking for something else. You know, this looks like a good opportunity and, and something you, you know, right up your alley. Wow. So I said, yeah, you know, I'll look at it. Mm-hmm. I looked at it, sent Kathy an email saying, hey, I'm interested. Here's my resume. You know, and then she brought me in for an interview. Um, I was her first hire. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but what really got me to make that transition, I had never worked for a nonprofit before. Yeah. Um, I didn't know really anything about boys and girls clubs, really. You know, I didn't get a chance to go to one when I was younger because, you know, obviously I had to take care of my brother and there was yeah. just all this other stuff. You so were the boys and girls club. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so I was like, hey, yeah, I'll give this a shot. So mm-hmm. went and man, in that first couple months, I learned so much. I bet. About the Boys and Girls Club, not only the Boys and Girls Club, about how the Boys and Girls Club of San Marcos is so embedded into the the city of San Marcos. Like the community is very, very Mm -hmm. tight-knit. And as you know, as you know, you're a you know frequent member of the Chamber of Commerce events and you know, you're 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 around. It's it's a very small community of, you know, everybody kind of knows everybody. Sure. And for the longest time, everybody in San Marcos had rallied around the Boys and Girls Club. And this kind of uh, you know, this is where the community hub or the heart of the community was. Yeah. And that's why, you know, bringing it back to the auction is our biggest event of the year. It's a community staple. Mm-hmm. Um, pre-pandemic, we were at 400 people, and it was kind of like the one big night a year, you know, back in the day yeah. in San Marcos, that mm-hmm. this was the main event. This was, you know, the who's who of North County was going to be at this event. Right. And coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, now we're back up to that 400 number, that yeah. capacity. Um, as of last year, it was 200. So now we're back to that level, and there's that same energy, there's that same you know, community aspect to it that is just so exciting. It is. It's it, there's a buzz around, and everybody's going to be. You know, the our auctions are themed always every year is a new theme. Mm-hmm. So this one with the Western theme is going to be so fun. It's going to be silly, and it's going to be. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot of a lot of. We're going to completely transform the club into you know something out of a, a movie set. You know, that's beautiful. I know man. it's exciting and and, you know, all for the, such a great cause. I'll be working the wine wall. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You can catch Zeke there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. October 14th. October 14th. You can get uh, tickets. They're on sale now on, on our website, boysgirlsclubsm.org. It'll be right on the front page, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's easy to navigate to buy tickets if you want to come. Uh, we are expecting a full house so it's you know and and like i said before it's community leaders business leaders elected officials they're all going to be represented and it's just a time for all of us to come together and support a very very you know good cause in the boys and girls club i love it i love it okay so just speaking back to the boys and girls club in general and i mean what'd you say 100 employees like yeah well we're growing it's um like What's happening there on a daily basis? Like, you know, kind of paint a picture for us uh, about the Boys and Girls Club. Of sure. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people, I think, like myself, you know, before I was educated on it, um, the Boys and Girls Club of San Marcos is a big organization. You know, we, like you said, of over 100 employees, we're on 13 different sites around town, including uh, school sites uh, that we offer after school programming. We have two standalone clubhouses, our Jennifer Losher branch being our main branch. Um, the address, one positive place, is... is it's, a, it's, it's unmatched. Yeah, it's, it's a, That's a great and, address. And, and, you know, it's so true. You know, mm-hmm. you walk in and the kids, the staff, you know, everybody, everybody has a smile on their face. Everybody's doing some, something fun. And every day, you know, from senior leadership all the way down to the members to the kids you know you see it you feel it and it's it's uh it's special yeah it's special yeah and we so we offer programs all boys and girls clubs uh across the country we offer specialty clubs 
whether that, and that's all staff led. So staff get to pick what they're passionate about and they get to, you know, bring that passion and, and show the kids like, Hey, you know, whether it's cheer club, whether it's, uh, you know, there's a candle making club, you know, there's a cupcake decorating club, yeah. you know, like yeah. all these, all these clubs that, uh, that you can join, um, that, you know, maybe our members wouldn't normally have access to. Sure. Like uh, dance, for example. Yeah. Dance dance can be an expensive uh, uh, hobby for, for a kid. Yeah. It can be expensive and time-consuming. Mm -hmm. And for younger kids, you know, you get them involved in that, and then, you know, six months later, they end up not liking it, or they want to do something mm -hmm. else, or they really like it. Mm -hmm. So this gives them exposure to that from a very young age to where they can be like, yeah, I, I'm going to try this at the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah you know, for free. Mm -hmm. And if I like it, I can explore it, you know, yeah. and as a parent that, you know, that, that, that helps because, you know, you're not just having expensive experiments and. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, for those who aren't, you know, familiar with the boys and girls club, some might look at it as it's just babysitting, mm -hmm. right? It's just daycare, but yep. it's not, you guys have so much going on. And then when these kids are leaving the premises, you know, they're leaving happy and they're showing their parents what, you know, what they did today, what they learned today, what they made today. Oh, and I'll tell you, twice a year, we have a fall and a spring showcase where we have our specialty clubs kind of present to the parents. Yeah. And some of my proudest moments at Boys and Girls Club is watching those parents, you know, see their kids, whether it's the drama club putting on a musical or uh, some of the art clubs. And we had an animation club that was really, really, really cool and impressive. And you see how proud these parents are of their kids. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, hey, I was kind of a little part of that. You know, that's, yeah. that, that, that makes me feel good when I see those family, you. those family units, you know. Yeah, look at you coming full circle and liking the parents. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Now it's now I you know I got some years under me, so now I, yeah. I I I see it from a different perspective, and it's 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 awesome. And and I can tell you from oh you know what is your why? Like why do you do this? There you go. You see it every day. All you got to do is come visit, and you'll get it. Man, man. I mean, such a well-rounded individual, man. I'm I'm really 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 happy for you. I I love uh, what you're doing. Um, I guess one of the lessons that you could help us with is um, explaining to someone who is running their business how you could still do this and also, you know, be, uh, I mean, you're not just donating your time over here at the Boys and Girls Club. You're doing a job. Yeah. Well, wow. I mean, you got to you gotta know your own limitations. You got to be realistic mm -hmm. you know you can't you know you need to ask for help when you need to ask for help you need to be able to do that you need to recognize that that's self-awareness we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. it's it's okay for things to be hard it's okay to fail it's okay to you know not meet your certain targets that you want might want to meet because mm -hmm. you know there's it's impossible to be perfect all the time sure and, of course and you know this life life shouldn't be taken that serious to where you know what you do have to work you have to earn a living mm -hmm. to pay your bills mm -hmm. but there's certain i guess there's a certain give and take to where you can make a make a difference not only in like your bank account but in the community that you're serving and it's I don't know. To me, it's it's just a straight up balancing act. Yeah. You but delegate. Learn to delegate. I love it. <laughs> learn to delegate. It's one of my favorite words. Uh, learn how to say no. Zeke. Okay, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to learn how to say no to certain things, and uh, yeah, I mean, use your time wisely where you think you're going to make the biggest impact. Yeah. Good man. Good for you. Okay. Um, Let's let's uh, get back to that website. Okay. Uh, the Boys and Girls Club San Marcos. Um, how uh, folks can donate, how they can participate in the auction. Absolutely. Uh, in anything, any information that you can give us, uh, volunteering, anything. Um, and and I'm saying this as also you know not being selfish uh, by bringing you on. Um, I'm part of the auction committee. And, and happy to be doing so. So thank you for for bringing me into that. Absolutely. I didn't expect, I should have said no, 
but I'm glad I didn't. You Good. Know. No, and you've been a, such a big help, you know, making connections and, and getting us uh, getting us some awesome silent auction packages that uh, I'll, I will touch on right here. So now you can support the Boys and Girls Club. You don't even have to be at the auction to support. You can go on our website. You can register right now. You can create an account, and then you can bid on our silent auction items in real time. Uh, the, the auction will close uh, towards the end of the night on Saturday, the 14th. Um, we will make send out text announcements. So if you create an account, you'll get an announcement. But feel free. We're going to have over you know 50 to 75 packages of all kinds of things from an awesome Napa Valley train ride to um, local wine packages. Thank you, Zeke. <laughs> and uh, just tons of other stuff, trips to Vegas, all, all kinds of stuff that that uh, you can peruse and the holidays are coming up. So if you want to get somebody a Christmas present, your dollars can, uh, you're going to spend that money anyway. You're, you might as well help support a good cause in the Boys and Girls Club of San Marcos. That's it. I love it. I love it. Hey, um, we appreciate it. We're going to support, obviously, the Boys and Girls Club of San Marcos and everything Justin's doing. Um, actually, um, got to say from the San Marcos Chamber of Commerce, obviously, we appreciate you as well, volunteering your time and being on the board and uh, on the leadership committee, all of that we didn't have time to speak about. But hey, next time, a new bottle, a new time, and we'll, we'll do it again. But it's so great to have you here, Justin. This was uh, fun. Really appreciate you being here. Um, same business, different day podcast. You guys can always find us on socials at Same Biz Pod, S A M E B I Z P O D. Uh, we're on YouTube, Same Business, Different Day. A different day radio's got a lot of great things going on and a lot of good things coming up. So make sure that you guys are checking us out. Shout out to the team and all of those folks. You guys know Mateo and and um you know all of the great team that we have going on continue to like and subscribe comment and uh, keep those algorithms going um once again thanks justin for being my guest absolutely and um so long (laughs) y'all